Good morning to you guys this morning on this Sunday morning. Uh, what a rough week for uh, the whole East Coast uh, and especially our friends and family members down in Florida. Man, uh, that hurricane just pounced on uh, Fort Myers and that area. And of course, we know people who have homes down there and uh, live down there now. Some of the Clarence boys, so uh, we're praying. Today's Friday, we're praying for you guys. Uh, today for me recording this Friday, um, but um, we're praying for you guys. In fact, I, I wanna just take a minute and, uh, and pray for all of you guys that are affected by this or have family members down there. Father, we, uh, we just lift up our friends and family down in Fort Myers and all across Florida and, and the Carolinas. God, that have been affected by this storm in devastating ways. God, we pray that you would be with them. God, we pray that your spirit would move among them and comfort and bring peace and restoration and, um, and that people would find you, Father, through this, this uh, awful event. God, that people would come to know who you are and your glory and your grace and and how badly we need you. Uh, Father, I, I just pray for uh, comfort for, for those families, that you'd be with them and uh, help them to, to, to get back on their feet quickly. Uh, Lord, we love you and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're talking about I Love My Church, and uh, there's a lot going on around here, uh, good things going around around Burlington Christian Church. We would love for you, if you're uh, in the area, to come and uh, worship with us and be a part of us live and in action. Um, we're just having a lot of fun right now, and uh, I especially love working with our teenagers. We have a great group of teenagers that meet in this room every Sunday night, and uh, they just love to play, and they love to have fun, and they love to dig into God's Word, and it's, it's, so, it's such a good thing. On the other hand, I'm coaching a girls softball team and not so good. A uh, lot of very new players that have never played the game in their life. And this is middle school softball. So we're playing against teams that play travel ball and you know, they're all this, they're into it. They got all the garabon and they come on and they destroy us. Um, but um, we're trying to have as much fun with that as well. I love my church. I hope you love your church. I hope you are an active part of your church. And if not, that you will be, that God is tugging on your heart and pulling you to uh, get involved with your church, family, personally, help out in the nursery, be among the people, pray together, study together, rub shoulders together, share your rakes and your lawnmowers, like really like have have a relationship with the people of your church and do life together. So important for the church. But I, I love my church uh, and the church. We said uh, we're going to get a running start into our topic today. Foundational truths about the church is it's the ecclesia, the called out ones, right? God is called and those who have answered the call are now part of God's church, right? All authority belongs to him. All belonging is his work. And all construction is truly the work of his hand. God is the one building his church. He is the one doing it all. We love the church today because the church is the bride of Christ. We said that we love the church because it's the body of Christ. It's like 
different hands, different parts, all working together as one. What a beautiful picture that is of the church, why we love the church. We said that the church is the way, the only way. We are, when you answer the call of, of Christ and the scriptures, you are on the only way that leads to the Father. Only Jesus has proven that he has the power and the ability to lead us back to the throne of God. Only Jesus. And we said uh, in the last couple of weeks that prayer is our connection to God. And only in the church do we have that direct line of connection to God through prayer. And by faith, by faith, we enter in like God invites us to his grace and we are invited in. And by faith, by placing our trust and hope in Christ, we come into the body of Christ and then we can claim all that God has for his people. We can live within that. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. I love my church because it is the bride of Jesus, the beautiful, beautiful bride of Jesus. When you think about that, if you're, if you're a dad and you, you, you married off your daughters, like I have married off three of them, um, and I got to stand up there, you know, to perform their weddings and watch them come walking down uh, the aisle. I mean, come on. Like, like for us as dads, like we remember changing her diapers and all those years of growing. And now she's a bride. And that's just powerful. You know, that's just rips your heart out for joy for her. But for where did the days go? Right. Where did the years go by? You know, so fast, so fast. But we're excited because the bride is a beautiful picture of beauty and glory and, and majesty. And we live in a world, though, that is struck with paranoia about everything. It's struck with paranoia about everything, like political things. You got to say the right thing in the right way. We're, 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 we're struck with paranoia about anything that is faith-based, religious, or spiritual, and things that are racial. We, we are just so, uh, like, like, just paranoid about saying or doing or anything. Like, you, you got to be extra careful what you post because you're going to get attacked if, if you don't use the right term. In a world that is afraid, even, of... Uh, words, of defining words, like we can't even say what a woman is, it seems now, or a grandma, or a man, like, let's just eliminate all the definitions of anything that is gender, and there's a, an agenda for that whole mess, but we're, we're paralyzed to say anything. I'm not, and I hope you're not, but the world would like us to be, and here's the thing, the a bride is defined this way, a bride, okay? Because in a world of gender sensitivity, I am not going to play that game. I love the cartoon that I saw that uh, somebody's standing at the pearly gates and Peter's there or an angel's there or something. And uh, the person says, I identify as a Christian. <laughs> and I think the angel says, we don't play that game here. That, that's how we should be. Like, we're not playing that game. 
We're not going to go along with your terms just because you want us to be like out of our minds with you. We're not, we're, I'm not doing it. We're not going to do it. And so a bride is defined this way. A Webster still defines it. One day it won't probably like this, but it does for now. As a woman just married or about to be married, a bride. She's coming down the aisle. It's the bride. Just got married. That's the bride. The bride. And sometimes we refer to our wives as my bride even later on in life. But a bride truly is that, that at that point of marriage. The bride. She is adorned. As a bride. Vine's a Bible dictionary uses the Greek word nymph, N-U-M-P-H-E, nymph, and it means a young wife. It always means feminine. It's a betrothed woman or a recently married woman, one who is veiled. The bride. The bride. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I am jealous for you. Paul's talking about the church. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. That's cool. I promised, I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Paul says, Corinthian church, I, I, I want to present you to God as one who is pure, like a virgin, like a bride. Christ's bride, his church. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the bride of Jesus. And 14 times in the New Testament, we see the idea of the bridegroom or the bride. And uh, this, again, is a hot topic of our day. This topic of marriage. Right now, marriage. The world would like us to, find, to define marriage in lots of different kinds of ways. We now live in a world that is bent on dismantling the truths of God, desensitizing people with radical and godless ideas, calling good evil and evil good. This is the culture in the world we live in. A culture has managed to twist and manipulate the meaning and the definition of this sacred institution that we have always called, from the time of Adam and Eve, marriage. Marriage. See, the culture says cohabitating before marriage is perfectly okay. Even though it's God's people, we know that is not what God would want us to do. Divorce, the culture would say, is just normal. Everybody's doing it, and you should do it before you get dehumanized in some way. The culture says that there are many genders, and you can unite with whoever and whatever you want. The culture says, did God really say one man and one woman? Surely God didn't say that. The culture and the liberal left, uh, left seeks to undermine all that God has made good. Corrupting, silencing, twisting, eliminating, denying all that God has set in motion from the beginning of time. 
removing spiritual truth from the public square, denying life in the womb, abandoning natural relationships for unnatural ones, filled with all kinds of wickedness, evil, and greed. Just read what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. Exchanging the glory of God for images made by the hands of men and exchanging the truth of God for lies and worship the created things rather than the creator himself who is forever praised. See, the culture has taken a very severe left turn. But here's the thing. Praise the Lord. Praise God that we don't live according to the culture. The unfortunate truth, though, is many people are being swept away by this evil. Many of our children, as it's being forced down their throats in, in, the, in our educational systems. Now, the radical changing of, of, of truth and teaching and, and godliness and biblical kind of foundation has been totally thrown away, washed away and replaced by all kinds of wicked, evil agenda. And God says, I do. God says, I do is still and always will be between one man and one woman. And God says, till death do you part is still his will and his way for mankind. God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, has always been clear about marriage, about a bride and a bridegroom, because the way we are to commit to our marriages in this world as human beings is the very way that Jesus, the bridegroom, commits to his church, the bride. This is why we love the church. We love the church because God is committed to his bride, the church. And that's why we love God so much. And so take a look at me, if you would, for a minute, about marriage and the bride of Christ as we see it in the scripture from the beginning of time. The first passage. I've got about four or five passages we're just going to look at quickly and, um, and move through this about the bride of Christ. Genesis chapter 22, verse 20 to 25. But for Adam, there was no suitable helper to be found. So the Lord caused man to fall into a sleep, a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with, with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man and the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. That is why, here it is, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife were both, look at, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. You know what this is? It's a picture of perfect innocence. This is the beginning of time. 
Everything is perfect, perfect, perfect. Perfect harmony, perfect unity. The two become one flesh. They become one person. No longer two, but now just one. They move as one. They think as one. They act as, even though they're individuals, they're, they're two halves that make up that one. They were naked, but they felt no no shame. They felt no guilt. And that was perfectly normal. They didn't think anything of it. They were in this setting completely free from guilt and shame and sin and anything that would be negative today. They were free from it. God institutes this holy union between Adam and Eve himself. He performs the first marriage, one bride, one bridegroom, united in what we know as marriage from the beginning of time. Let's move on to the prophets. Isaiah 54, do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is, call, he is called the God of all the earth. Did you see that? For your maker is your husband. Your maker. God is our husband. The husband of the church. The husband of, at this time, Israel, the Jewish nation, God's chosen people. And God is their husband, which makes them the wife. God's people have always been viewed as his, his, his bride, his, 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 his wife. The prophets spoke about the bridegroom. We move forward into um, the Gospels and Jesus, Jesus uh, spoke about this as well. He answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? Like Jesus is walking on the earth with the apostles and the disciples and all the people that are following him. And he says to them, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? He's referring to himself. They cannot so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. Jesus is referring to this truth about the bridegroom. He confirms that the bridegroom has a bride. He confirms that he is the bridegroom of the bride, and that while he's with them, there's no need to fast. But when he's taken away from them, then there will be a need to fast and to pray to the bridegroom, to him. In Ephesians, Paul writes, probably one of the greatest passages in the, in the New Testament about a marriage. He says, it's a little bit longer passage, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands 
ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his life or his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body just as Christ does the church. And so up to this moment, Paul is talking about a husband and a wife caring for each other. Just before this passage, he's talked about wives submitting to your husbands as to the Lord. And now he says, husbands, you're to love your wives as well. But then he goes on to say, we are members of his body, the body of Christ. That's what we are. Even in marriage, we are members of the body of Christ. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. That goes all the way back to Genesis. This is a profound mystery, but Paul says, I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. See, Paul is talking about this deep connection between a husband and a wife that no one else on the planet should share. Two people who come together and become one, united in marriage. But what he's really talking about is how that is a reflection of Christ and his church. Paul is really talking about Christ and the church, but a husband and his wife are as close as it will ever get to the intimate relationship that God wants to have with his people and a husband should have with his wife. And it's a beautiful picture of this union of a bride and a bridegroom becoming one together. And Paul says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. So the, the, the apostles verify this idea of the bridegroom. And then there's a passage in Revelations that says this, then I heard that what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like the loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah for the Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride, his church, has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. These are the true words words of God. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. The bride of Jesus. From Genesis all the way to Revelation and all in between, what we see about God's people is that they are the bride of Christ. That God is, is, is the one who performs this union. God is the one who establishes this union. And God is the one who calls us out of this world. And when we accept that invitation, we come into the body of Christ, the, the church. And that church is the bride of Christ. There will be a marriage supper one day. There's going to be a huge wedding feast like, like none other, like none other that we've ever participated in. And it's going to be an eternal feast where the bride and the bridegroom will be united forever and ever and ever for all of eternity. And that day is coming. 
when the bridegroom comes for the bride. See, we love the church. We love the church because the church is the radiant glory of God. That's why we love the church, because it just shines the glory of God. God has, in the Old Testament, he called out a, a nation, Israel, and God worked among Israel. Today, God has called out what, he, what we call the church, and he works among his people, the church, the faithful. It's eternal, and it's full of his glory. It's full of the power and the wonder-working uh, hand of God. The church, the church is the radiant glory of God. Secondly, we love the church because the church is covered and protected by God. We are his children. We are his sons and his daughters. And we have the protection of our Father. People out in the world do not have that. They have not the protection of God. The promise is not for them. It is only for those who have accepted Christ as Lord and become a part of his bride, his church. They are now under the umbrella of his divine protection and love and care and discipline and blessings and promises. Third, we love the church because the church is the beautiful bride of Jesus, sacred and holy to him. Sacred and holy to him, awaiting the bridegroom to come back and take her to be with him forever. That's what the church is. This is why we love the church, because we are waiting. We're waiting for the bridegroom to come and take us to be with him. No one else on this planet in all of existence, past, present, and future, has this hope. Only the church of Jesus has this hope. I love my church because my church is God's church where he reigns and where he rules, where all authority is his and all belonging is his doing on his terms and all construction is the work of his hands. There really is no better place to be than the bride of Jesus eagerly anticipating the return of the bridegroom. I hope that you are not just a part of the bride and the church according to the ways of God, but that you are an active part in the body of Christ together with Jesus and the apostles and the prophets and your brothers and sisters that we can rub shoulders with today. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week. Please be safe.